You're listening to The OK Show, a podcast brought to you by The Current. Everybody's got their something. We all are crazy. <laughs> like, we're all crazy, and it's okay to be crazy. Um, so let's all talk about it so we can be less crazy. As people who struggle with mental health issues, that's like the most common feeling. But I think that there has to be a point where you allow yourself to be vulnerable, be sad, be hurt. Even if it's a sad subject matter, there's something that's really life-affirming in that process of listening to music that moves you. How about we all stay alive so you can continue to make great music? How about we all just stay alive? Hey, hello there. Welcome to The OK Show. I'm your host, Andrea Swenson. I'm a music journalist. I'm a host, also a producer at the radio station, The Current, in St. Paul, Minnesota. This is a podcast that features real musicians talking about their real lives. So last time I mentioned that I was pretty excited about the guests that I managed to somehow convince to appear on my podcast this season. And today you'll see just what I was talking about. Because we're going to get up close and personal with a founding member of one of the raddest, most legit, hardest rocking, and highly influential bands in Minnesota music. I am talking about Babes in Toyland. My guest is the bass player turned novelist, Michelle Leon. She joined up with Kat Bjelland and Lori Barbero to form Babes in Toyland back in 1987. And Michelle didn't just have a front row seat to the punk rock explosion that was happening in Minneapolis at that time. She was in the crowd and she was on stage, immersing herself in all the eardrum rattling, beer soaked moments that we now refer to as the Minneapolis rock and roll heyday. Babes in Toyland toured like crazy, and Michelle brings us along for the ride in her new memoir, which is called I Live Inside. She also suffered a terrible loss when her boyfriend Joe Cole was murdered while she was overseas on tour. The facts surrounding Michelle's departure from Babes have always been a little murky, and this book was her chance to finally tell the story of the loss, grief, and confusion that set her adrift and seared holes through her rock and roll dreams. Let's turn it over to Michelle now. She is a delight to be around. I think you'll be able to soak up some of her joy and strength just by listening. Here is episode 17 of The OK Show, a conversation with Michelle Leon. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's just have a regular chat. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in my backyard. And it is one of the first nice days of the year, so I had to bust outside with my recording equipment, and I'm here with Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Hi. It's beautiful out here, everybody. You should see it. (laughs) So you have a new book out, and that's super exciting. Yeah. Your first book, and you've been working on it for a long time. I remember Mm -hmm. when I met you that you were talking about wanting to write a book, and this would have been seven years ago maybe when I was at City Pages yeah City Pages and then um I was the intern yes and then I'm like my first I'm like what should I write about and Jeff uh, Shaw who was there was like I don't know what do you like I'm like I made a beer and a butt chicken last night and he was like you could write about that so that was my first story was the beer in the butt chicken <laughs> I didn't know that 
That's your first piece. I'm sure you can find it online. (laughs) Wow. I'm like, here's how you do it. And then like these like terrible, this terrible photography. (laughs) That's amazing. I just like to write about anything, you know? Yeah. I like making sentences and I like trying to use as few words as possible at all. And even if it's, you know, whether it's like a beer and a butt chicken (laughs) or like my life, like they're both like fun things I teach special ed and I write IEPs you know the the um, plans for the kids okay like what what we're gonna do for their instruction yeah. and I like writing those I want to like word everything really well you yeah know? <laughs> so if I remember correctly you were going back to school around that time too right mm-hmm. so what was the turning point for you of like I want to focus now on writing and have that be a priority so in the book, I lived in New Orleans. I came back here to Minneapolis, and I moved back to New Orleans kind of right at the point where that story ends, like okay. around 98. Okay. Um, so when I came back in 2006, like a year after Katrina, then I was like, oh, I think I want to be a vet. So I, but I couldn't pass the chemistry. <laughs> it was like, I had this, there's some, like, you know how they say you can do anything you want to do? Yeah. Like, you can't always, <laughs> like, I can't do chemistry. <laughs> so but then I was also taking writing classes and, you know, my teachers were like, you should be a writer, you know? And I'm like, well, I'm going to like, think about that because yeah. it feels really good. And I've always loved to write, you know, when I was a kid, I was on the school newspaper and, Aww. you know, and kept like the notebooks, the poems. And and so there was always something about that I, that I loved. Okay. So now I teach little kids how to read and write. Oh. We make books. That's amazing. We make books every week. <laughs> Let them pick like the topics, you know, and just like cut and paste pictures and put lines underneath. Like, Aww. let's write about the hermit crab. <laughs> The hermit crab likes to hide in his shell. <laughs> I'm like, that's a great sentence. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> so were you in New Orleans during Katrina? Mm-hmm. Wow. I was. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I evacuated like two days before. Went back like as soon as I could. Mm. Like the first day they opened the city. And I kind of thought everyone was going to be there. And like nobody was there. Wow. Yeah. So back to like empty city empty like nothing open you know nothing like that was the least of the problems like you know uh, my neighborhood was okay I was like at the top of the bowl okay so my house had like broken windows and roof tiles gone but it didn't flood Mm. so eventually like little bits of like friends came back and but there was like a few days where only like me and one other person living on my block Wow. It was like this lady who lived across the street and like she was kind of fancy and I was kind of not fancy and like we never <laughs> talked to each other, you know, and um, so we and then we we're the only people there. So we would just like sit on our porch and drink wine and Aww. it was like pretty cool like, to be like, wow, we never even like knew each other and we're kind of these two ladies like alone in our houses in this really weird. Yeah. Scenario like in the end of the world, basically. Surreal. <laughs> you know? Surreal, yeah. Wow. There that reminds like, me of the story in the book about the earthquake, mm-hmm. where a similar thing happened. All the people kind of came out in the street and yeah. met each other. And yeah. It's strange how that happens. 
Yeah, how you're just in your little, we call it our puniverse. <laughs> like, you just stay in your little puniverse. <laughs> and then, you know, you need each other in a situation like that. Or you just realize, like, it doesn't matter. We're more right. alike than we are different. Right. Yeah, there's, like, nothing open. One cafe opened, but there was nobody to work. So there'd be, like, one person cooking, but then you just go behind the counter and get your own coffee and stuff. <laughs> Wow. Funny. Yeah, it was really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, that would feel a little apocalyptic. <laughs> it was. Well, this book is fantastic. Thank you. I breezed right through it when I started reading it because, um, well, not only is it really well written, but the style it's written in is really captivating. It's very concise and powerful, and I was amazed by how much you could fit into short sentences and then short paragraphs, and then, like, the chapters even themselves are very short. Um, Was that a style that you developed over time, or was that intentional that you wanted it to be that tight? When I write sentences, I'm like, how can I say this the shortest way? Like, I love, like, figuring out, it's like a little puzzle. Yeah. You know, like, what's the perfect word that says a lot of things, you know, <laughs> and which word don't you need? Right. And yeah. I I was talking to Chris from the Star Tribune about this. Like, I wrote from a lot of pictures. Mm. So, and it was, like, a class I took when I was at Goddard. One of the writing exercises we did was, like, take a photo and just list the objects in there. Like, here's a pair of sunglasses. Here's, you know, a book. Here's, you know, parachutes or whatever. And then make the story from that. Right. So that's where a lot of these scenes came from. Interesting. The things you could see and then memories, too. I did a lot of interviews with people who were there. You know, like, what was some of the things you remember? You know, so it would start with this list of objects, and then I was like, well, I'll just write this in, mm-hmm. and then I'll go back. They uh, And it was some of these. I was like, well, that's all there is to say about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. <laughs> and then I would show it to my advisors at Goddard, and they're like, well, that's a style. You know, it's mm-hmm. called a vignette <laughs> or right. whatever. And then they show me other people who are writing in that style, and I'm like, I like that because... I can't pay attention and I'm sure other people can't pay attention and it's nice just to have like these short things that are intense you know yeah can I ask you to read something yeah (laughs) so the reason that I picked this is um, I just opened your book as I said and just started reading and then I got to page two and I was literally gasping out loud at how much you were putting into each sentence and how much I was learning about you in like six sentences So I was wondering if you could just, I don't think it'll give too much away about what happens later in the book, but um, I think it's a great introduction to your style. Okay, this is called Things I've Been Told. You're not the prettiest girl in the room. You look really horny when you play. Your butt is too big to be a bass player. His blood stained the sidewalk. She stopped breathing, turned blue, then came back. I might have given you crabs. You're always mumbling. When you were leaning over, I could see your boobs. You wouldn't make a good mother. Someone broke into the van and stole your guitar. Mm. One of the things that really hits me about that is you're capturing so much of the just female experience of being in public and Mm -hmm. then being in a band. 
and you really get the sense of the male gaze and yeah and the pressure that you're under to have a body in public yeah <laughs> and be observed in that way and it just it hit me and then you're, you're already dropping these little parts of what's going to happen later in the book and it's just wow <laughs> I remember I was watching Breaking Bad and you know how they would do that they would have like part of the the end oh yeah first and then you would go back and figure out the puzzle so that's this that scene was more towards the end mm-hmm. and someone recommended like maybe that's like should be the opener because ah. it does it's like here wow how is it how are we going to get to the part where that happens you know interesting and I felt like it was really important to be vulnerable because everybody can I think almost every woman I know can definitely relate to some of you know the things that I was like embarrassed or regretful about you know I think we've all like found ourselves in some of those situations you know right and I think it's an important thing to talk about and de not mystify but just isn't not no big deal right. <laughs> it's no big deal like we all do things that are embarrassing right <laughs> you know? yes that is true <laughs> Well, another thing that I really appreciate about this book is that we're talking about kind of setting the record straight in terms of your life and all the facts that have been out there about Babes in Toyland. Mm -hmm. And one thing that um, I learned a lot about was the later part of your involvement in the band and what you're going through at that time. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, just for the people that are unfamiliar with your story, about um, what happened with everything? (laughs) Yeah, it was like 17, 18 when I first started playing with them. So it was kind of like going from my family, family to like this other family, you know, Um, towards the end of just, you know, feeling like some burnout and some like what else is, you know, the world Mm -hmm. about besides this. Then Joe, who was my boyfriend, kind of off, off and on again, but always, you know, really close friends throughout all of that was murdered and and just trying to mourn in this like really being kind of introverted and being like somebody who you know loves to be home and loves to be quiet and to still have to navigate like this career with these two other people and what they needed and what they wanted yeah you know and trying to navigate like this big loss together yeah um so it was a very challenging for everybody and you know just a lot of it looking back on it and at the time too of just how people expect you to mourn you know like don't talk about it right and you can be sad for like a little bit to me maybe I'm oversimplifying it but it just seemed like people wanted this you to be this example of like I'm in all this pain but I'm gonna like keep playing and and like I wasn't like that I was like I'm sad and I'm a bummer and I'm just like the sad girl and I don't like anything and you know 
and I'm mad at you guys because I feel like you don't understand and you're mad at me because I'm a bummer <laughs> and this is hard like yeah you know this is three four six months later and I'm still sad right and, you know and I don't want to I don't want to go on tour <laughs> and I don't want to like live in this close proximity with other people right now but yeah like we, this is how we make our living and you know there's big opportunities and we need to record this album and we just got signed to Warner Brothers yeah, that was really eye-opening to me. I didn't realize that so much was happening to you all at the same time, that the Warner Brothers thing mm-hmm. was coming into the picture and you were mm-hmm. dealing with this loss. And I just can't even imagine being in that position. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, you know, people have asked me, like, was it, like, cathartic to write about? I'm like, well, I mean, cathartic is one word. Like, it does, like, things, you do get things out. Mm-hmm. I think it's more perspective building and a way to understand, yeah. you know, what happened. Yeah. And that, like, it'll never really be better. Yeah. You know, it'll always be horrible. Yeah. But for this book, like, for other people who are experiencing, you know, a loss of, like, you can mourn however you want. Like, you can be a bummer if you want to. Yeah. But don't think, like, other people are going to be okay with it. (laughs) I like that. I think... Because they probably won't after a while. Yeah. (laughs) They don't want... Nobody wants to deal with that. Right. I think that's probably, like, at the core of, like, trying to understand grief is that if you haven't been through a situation like that, it's really hard to relate and know what that feels like. And you have expectations that are probably totally unreasonable. Yeah. From, like, movies or whatever, like, right. that we see, you know. Everyone's going to swoop in and nestle you in their bosom of love. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, for a couple days yeah. or a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you also do have responsibilities. Like, if you're, like, a pain in the ass, like, you, some self-awareness of, you know, this is our business and this is our job and we do really create art together and, you know. Yeah. So, in, like, my maturity like you know I think I would have been taking more empathetic view with them as well and I think they with me too in Mm -hmm. hindsight Lori and I have talked about it before you know that we would have done things differently yeah but we were so young you know how do you know without like having any maturity and especially like not having much of a perspective of life like outside of the band right at that point in my life you know how old were you when joe died 22 and i turned 23 like right before i left the band yeah so how long were you able to stay in the band after that it wasn't that long okay it was like that was like december i think i left like around february or march like we went right out on like another tour okay you know and started recording and it was just like I can't like keep it together yeah you know yeah and Hmm. you just some quiet and you know I was the one who agreed like you know I think I felt too like I couldn't say no yeah you know that people were counting on me but um that might have been a better (laughs) answer right then like let's just take a little time yeah at that point there's a lot of people counting on you you know there's like the sound man and you know every all the shows are booked and you know people bought tickets you know there's right. a lot going on that 
you know, you feel like I don't want to draw more attention to myself. Was it publicly known what had happened? Like, did your fans know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not, I don't know that everyone knew it. And it wasn't like, and it, it was, you know, like in Spin Magazine and like places like that, you wow. know. But it wasn't like how things are now. Where <laughs> just everybody, there wasn't really the internet. <laughs> <laughs> no one was There's tweeting about it. landline bring bring. <laughs> yeah, magazines come out once a month right. you know, or whatever. So it was probably like two months later <laughs> when someone actually read it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but people, I think, knew. Okay. Were mm-hmm. they talking to you about it? or? Yeah, some people would. And, yeah, I think people more, like you're saying, people who could relate, who had been through mm-hmm. similar things, mm-hmm. similar losses, you know. But it wasn't, it's not really that atmosphere when you're, like, out on tour. Right. It's like, no, nobody wants, like, bummer girl. <laughs> some people would want to talk to bummer girl for a little bit, but then they, you know. I want to go have fun. Right. <laughs> it's kind of a, a job that centers around like a lot of things that are fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a re- very recurring theme on this podcast is like, how do you talk about real stuff? Yeah. And basically work in a party all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. And there is kind of this perception of like, well, if you complain about that job, if you complain about it, then you're a, a big a-hole. Right. Because, like, who wouldn't, like, want to do these things? And it's like, you can, like, love it and still have things that you struggle with. Right. You can be all those things. So what is it like to, like, for example, now we're in the middle of Women's History Month and Babes in Thailand is a huge part of, like, Minnesota women's music history. What is it like to know that you were a piece of that? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, oh, there, I can't find anything bad about that. <laughs> um, do I, like, understand completely, you know, and have perspective on it? Like... Oh, I'm an important part of history. No, you know, um, but I'm really proud of it. And um, and also it helped, like, going and seeing them play. Mm. I'm like, oh, I could see, like, because I could never could watch them. And, you know, I go right. see, I would go to some of the shows after I left, but not very often. It was, like, really uncomfortable. You know, it was just, I felt like people were, like, gauging my reaction and, mm. It didn't always feel good. It felt sad, you know, to not be the one playing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so it was kind of like, well, why do it then? (laughs) It's uncomfortable and sad. So (laughs) that's not. (laughs) Doesn't sound awesome. (laughs) Not an awesome (laughs) evening. But now, you know, a lot is healed and moved past some of those feelings. You know, they're still there, but not as intensely. Yeah. So, but I guess there was times when. I felt like, well, now people don't think I'm interesting or important anymore. And that felt really icky, you know, and especially being so young, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, people 
like who maybe didn't see the band back then like actually like not believing me that I used to be in the band like you did not like I know those girls and you weren't in that band you know like stuff like that would happen so that's kind of a trigger for me of like going to see them Mm -hmm. you know of like not like the important one so I was at First Avenue at the show the most recent the most recent show and Lori had asked me she was like it would really be great like if you would come you know and so I'm like okay I'll, I'll go and so I had passes and stuff and crowds make me nervous and so I think there's this thing is called First Avenue Rage. It's kind of like road rage, <laughs> like where people really piss you off at First Avenue because they're like in your space, you know? So I was starting to have that and the band started and I think maybe like Bruce Violet is playing. So it's like really triggering, mm-hmm. like a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I got this pass. Like we can watch like from wherever we want. So I want to like not be in the crowd. Yeah. And there's that weird side area upstairs that I guess is like reserved seats. Oh. Like where people sit down. I guess yeah. they buy those tapes. But I didn't know. I thought like, oh, I guess maybe that's like a spot I can stand with this pass. But then I was being really conscious because I was like, I think I'm kind of standing in front of these people and I don't know if I'm supposed to be standing right here. And I'm going to the girl behind me, like I'm actually saying like, I'm sorry, am I in your way? Like yeah. I just feel like... I don't know I don't know what I'm doing and she goes like you can't stand here (laughs) and I'm like wow like it was just really mean yeah and and I'm like am I in your way and (laughs) feeling like all tiny and like I'm sorry can I stand here and then I was like well I think I can yeah I got a pass but I didn't want to say like I literally was like I can't say like I have a pass because I feel like I asked like doing that (laughs) yeah so, but I felt like I wanted to say something and I'm like, well, can we just like talk to each other and use our nice words? Like literally it was like my special ed voice came out. I'm like, can we just use our nice words? And she goes like this. She goes, <gasps> she shooed me with her hand. Like as like a bee. She shooed me with her hand and it was just like so triggering of just this rage and like Bruce Violet is playing yeah. and I'm getting shooed and I don't, I just want to like, know where I'm supposed to stand yeah you know and I'm also like why am I standing in the middle of all these tables (laughs) like I don't even know how first avenue works anymore like I don't even go to first avenue I don't know how it works so I hope that girl is listening (laughs) because so so maybe we could so maybe we can try to use our nice words with each other next time That's all I'm going to say to you. Did you find a place to stand? Yeah, so then I was like, oh, we can just go backstage and Ah. stand right on the side. And then all my friends were, I was like, like, everybody was like, Michelle, and they were hugging me. And I'm like, see, it's okay. I belong here. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. This was a really nice conversation. Yeah, I think so too. That does it for today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to The OK Show on your favorite podcasting app. And check out thecurrent.org for an archive of today's conversation and some amazing portraits by Nate Ryan. The OK Show is produced by me, Andrea Swenson, with assistance from Pierce Huxtable. Come back next week for a candid conversation about addiction, recovery, and creativity with none other than Gary Lewis of the Jayhawks. Until next time, it's going to be okay.